And welcome to the Friday, February 2nd, 2007 edition of The Relevant Podcast, the audio companion to Relevant Magazine and RelevantMagazine.com. I'm Cameron Strang, and here with me is the editorial crew, editorial director Kara Davis. Good evening, (laughs) or afternoon, or morning. Yeah, there you go. Uh, Managing editor Adam Smith. Greetings to you, regardless of the time you're listening to this. And web content producer Jesse Carey. Hola. You know, I, I'm tired of saying the same thing all the time, but I can't think of any other way to describe the relevant podcast. I want to tell them the date. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I uh, need to tell them if they're the first time listener that, you know, we have a magazine. Yeah. And uh, then I introduce you. I don't know what else to do. You could give some kind of quality of the podcast, like it cuts French fries in five different shapes. And then we could throw in extra things or if they could, listen now. Or you could just make stuff up like... The Oscar nominated, mm-hmm. you know, I or, like that. or mm-hmm. a Grammy award winning, twenty four karat gold plated. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, when in doubt, lie. Today's podcast is brought to you by. Ooh, Ooh. <laughs> Pop Rocks. <laughs> <laughs> now in can form. Apparently, Diet Pepsi is very, very carbonated today. Um, Got a fresh one. Yeah, that's how you know. <laughs> that's how you know. They, to hold they it up to a sensitive that. microphone. <laughs> <laughs> they they canned that yesterday. Yeah, <laughs> canned fresh. You ever wonder? I, I've I've been curious about how they get it into the can because it seems pretty seamless. The can, <laughs> Jesse. This metal part on top <laughs> is stamped on. There's a little lip around it. Well, I guess that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've dissected many cans. Like, why? You're looking for the seam on the side or something? It's like Adam told a story a few minutes ago about how his aunt would put a note around a peach pit that yeah. they would not discover till they till they ate the peach. Yeah, without slicing into the peach. It's, it's baffling I to have my no mind. idea how she did it. Some she was also a sorcerer. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say... It, just Witchcraft. The occult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so she's from Kentucky, right? Yeah, she was constantly trying to get us to worship Baal. So. <laughs> Christian uh, Bale? Yeah. Bales of hay in the yard. <laughs> <laughs> in Kentucky, yeah. Bale in any form. <laughs> <laughs> any form. Yeah. They're not picky. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you could go down to your local jail and post, post, yeah. Yeah. post and, it and, there. And so it's kind it. of an yeah. offering mm-hmm. to Bale. Yeah. She was a very liberal Bale worshiper. <laughs> Do you, she no, didn't understand. She actually didn't mm, understand. Yeah. At first, I, I was thinking, like, oh, the, the bucket that they dip in the well, but that's a pail, right? In a pinch, that would do. Well, if you're in a boat that's sinking, you would use the bucket to bail out. To worship (laughs) bail. Yeah. 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 All right. This is about the worst way we've ever started the podcast. (laughs) Agree. All right. For your entertainment releases, we have some movies coming out tonight. Uh, We have The Messengers, starting Dylan McDermott and Penelope Ann Miller. And Ominous Darkness invades a sunflower farm in North Dakota, intent on tearing apart the newly settled Solomon family. Blah, 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 blah. It's basically the Sixth Sense done B-level. You know, a kid that sees ghosts. Or the hills, who have, the hills Have Eyes or all those who, scary ones. Who directed that, by the way? 
directed by Oxide Pang Chun and Danny Pang. Oh, I'm a g- big fan of their work. <laughs> now, there's some horror movie that's coming out that Sam Raimi did. Uh, know, oh, I'm kind of excited for that. No, he I, produced um, The Grudges. No, there's another one. There's a new one that Sam Raimi's doing. Uh, also coming out, Because I Said So, starring Diane Keaton, Mandy Moore. It's... Have you noticed that the trailers lately have been playing up the love story of the mother as opposed to the young daughter? Yeah. Early trailers were like more about the young daughters and the family yeah. dynamic, and now it's more about an old people's well, love story. They're tapping into something audiences have been clamoring for, seeing old people make out. Yeah. <laughs> Is Kevin Costner in this movie? Didn't he do a string of those like older you know, uh, romantic comedies? Sure. <laughs> I, you not, were just very not, young then. Not, <laughs> not watching old people make out movies, I wouldn't be able to tell you. Are, are you talking about Waterworld or The Postman? <laughs> yeah, you're right. That's what I was thinking. About. Field of Dreams, James Earl Jones. <laughs> One of those. It's very touching. He made out with James Earl Jones. Yeah, it, was, it was weird. It was a director's cut. It was awful. Yeah. I'm glad they took it out. Maybe we should go ahead and cut right to the fart noises. <laughs> That's where we get our pay dirt. Yeah. So why don't we just go ahead and skip skip to those. Music coming out on Tuesday, the 6th. We have John Rubin with Word of Mouth on Goatee Records. Fallout Boy with Infinity on High on Island. Lucinda Williams with West. Mm. Block Party with A Weekend in the City. They're the featured album review in... The uh, March issue of Relevant. Indeed. Lonely Deer with Lonely Noir on Sub Pop. And Sondre Lerche with Phantom Punch. It's kind of cool indie on Astral Works. That yeah. sounds like something very jazzy. Jazzy. Very jazzy. Sounds jazzy. Sounds like indie. a Halloween beverage. It's like he's like an indie <laughs> Phantom <Michael> Punch. All right. Coming up on the podcast today, we have an interview with author David Batstone. He's actually an editor at Sojourners Magazine, and he was, interestingly enough, the founding editor of Business 2.0, a magazine that I used to subscribe to. I don't even know if it's around anymore, but it was good. I liked it. Until he left, obviously. Obviously. It went straight downhill. Uh, He has a new book coming out called Not For Sale uh, about human trafficking, and that's what we talked to him about. Wait, it's not for sale? Yeah, that's... uh, He... No. The book is for sale called it's called not for sale yeah i it's poor marketing it's gonna be really good it's gonna be a great book but i'm just afraid it's not gonna move many copies people are gonna be like is that a display model or okay so that's coming up later in the podcast and on that note that'll do it for entertainment releases up next slices You're listening to Common, featuring Will I Am, otherwise known as William. <laughs> um, the song is called A Dream, and it's the featured video this week over at Relevant.tv. Uh, it's a great video, very positive song. That song is what we're about. It's yeah. progressive hip-hop with a positive message. Hmm. Uh, at the beginning of the podcast, you heard the group The Little Ones with the song OMJ. It's very good. A little poppy ditty. Yeah, it's a, it's a hot jam right now. It's, let's just it's throw burning out, up the charts. Yeah, let's just right. throw out phrases. <laughs> let's, let's see if I can think of another cliche for the little ones. Yeah. yeah, so that one's playing right now over at Relevant TV as well. So tune in, check it out. Please do. We put a lot of work into it. We'd love for you to see the fruits of our labor. Vote. Vote for your favorites. Yeah, you can vote for your favorites. There you go. Actually, I'll tell you right now, the current top ten... 
the top vote getting video is Demon Hunter with one thousand apologies. Wow. Really? So if you don't want that to be the top <laughs> the top <laughs> voted number, video. Number yeah, two, Richard Ashcroft. Number three, one of my favorite songs, PB and J, Peter, Bjorn, and John with Young Folks. Mm. We get we're getting some threads on the message board like, you know, what's that song you ended the podcast with or whatever? Mm-hmm. Two weeks ago, people were asking, what was that song? It was PB&J. It was the whistle. The whistle one. Yeah. Yeah, that's PB&J. Last week was interesting. And I I posted this on the message boards, but people were wondering what the song was last week. It was really cool jam. If if you have last last week's podcast and you didn't catch it, go back and listen to it real fast. It uh, was actually an original remix by Flynn. It was the Teddy Bears song, uh, Punk Rocker, featuring Iggy Pop. But the track was completely Flynn's. It was their vocals hmm. over Flynn's track, and it was it was crazy. So well done, Flynn. So well done. it was a Flynn Iggy Pop mashup, basically. Yeah, wow. yeah. And now, and and then a few weeks ago, it was like about three weeks ago, and it was actually a Flynn original, his own song that he had been working on in the studio that week, and he leaked about a fifteen second clip wow. of it. Mm. It was really cool. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was three weeks ago. But you didn't hear that from me. Yeah. He just wanted to Don't slip it the in label there. Now. Yeah, he just wanted to slip it in there and uh, see what people thought. It's a good barometer, you know? It is. A moral barometer, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, does this mean that we can each record our own songs and put them on the podcast? Without me knowing, yes. See, I, I didn't know he did that. I have a whole library of acapella work I've been doing. <laughs> I've, I've recorded a back catalog of uh, Robert Goulet covers. <laughs> Such as? Um, if ever I should leave you. That's, that's my main one. I, I don't know how that goes. If ever I should leave you, it wouldn't be in springtime. Yeah, we'll probably pass on that one. Knowing how in spring I'm bewitched by you so. What about your Journey cover band? <laughs> um, Travels. <laughs> I'm still working called, on that. Can it's, it be called Quest? <laughs> you, you, when like you have travels. a Journey cover band you can call it what you want okay, I'll call it West. <laughs> minus travels oh that's funny I can't hit the high notes like Steve Perry well who can no yeah. one can yeah. no, <laughs> is he human. Still alive? no human yeah is he still alive yeah I don't he's still yes <laughs> I, I believe he's immortal but don't they they I mean they're ba- like now they they play like special dates on cruise ships and stuff like that right that's oh, about no. the no oh, no well actually they do because I read a Chuck Klosterman story where he went on a cruise that journey was yeah, like it was a journey well, cruise the thing I'm is, sure Steve, it's not just any cruise right <laughs> it was a journey it was a journey yeah, it was a special date on a cruise yeah, yeah. well it's a journey with journey yeah um travels with journey <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's that's you like open a, for them yeah travels like when we with journey tonight. Travels with journey <laughs> <laughs> while traveling at the high seas. Um, <laughs> if this boat's a rocking, it's because there's a storm. <laughs> <laughs> it's surely not because of journey. <laughs> I will thank you not to besmirch the good name of journey. That's the name now, of the cruise. Though. Journey this boats are rocking <laughs> with journey. However, I I will In say ways, yeah. <laughs> that journey is no longer officially recognized as uh, as a band by. I don't know, the United Nations or someone. Because Steve Perry isn't with them anymore. So Steve Perry is Journey. Well, neither is Randy Jackson. That's right. You know? Yeah. What so. is he doing now? 
<laughs> yeah, what, I think, what's that like, washed pro- up dude doing producing, that? playing so, yeah. playing a hotel? I already on some crappy like reality show. Yeah. So uh, sad like how far these people <laughs> fall after. It really is the height of fame. Yeah. Oh, okay. And now with slices, here's Kara Davis. <laughs> well, in honor of the Super Bowl coming up this weekend. Um, the New York Times did a story about how um, a bunch of organizations are kind of banding together to sponsor a health screening for current and retired NFL players. Uh, evidently, you know, a lot of them have a lot of health problems as they get older. And even like 14% of NFL players have obstructive sleep apnea because they're so large and their necks mm-hmm. are large. And this, you know, this. How many percent? 14. Wow. That's like one out of nine. So, you know, Reggie White died uh, in 2004 at only age 43 after having a cardiac arrhythmia, but he also had sleep apnea, which um, they say could have contributed to his death. Wow. So, So is this like a charity thing? Yeah, a lot of um, like Living Heart Foundations, NFL Association, Baptist Hospital are kind of sponsoring this, this health screening. But I guess some some players actually get money each month to cover medical expenses, even after they quit playing. Uh, some guy, I can't pronounce his name, who's the president of the NFL Alumni Detroit chapter, says that he gets like 843 a month. He said, but some guys are only getting 300 400 a month. And that's just not covering the doctor bills and medicine and things like that. But, you know, I wonder, you know, how much players, when they're getting into the game, think about how their quality of life is going to be affected mm. by it down the road. Mm. Did you guys hear about the um, the hospital, I believe it was in Texas, that um, was built for the veterans for, like, amputees of war? And it was completely built by private funds, and it was a gift to the government. And it's just state-of-the-art, top-of-the-line. Huh. Yeah, it was a really cool that's cool. I think we should give more gifts to the government. Yeah, yeah. really. <laughs> I, I, pay, well, I, mean, I the overpay taxes. Yeah. Didn't have to <laughs> pay for it. So yeah, sometimes I nice. just put like an extra five or ten dollars, <laughs> like a little note, like buy yourself something nice. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, <laughs> here's a funny one. Uh, Pope Benedict has is doing a book right now that's gonna. It's called Jesus of Nazareth, and it's gonna look at the. The Life of Christ, and he he signed with Doubleday, which is the publisher of another very popular book called The Da Vinci Code, one that he wanted the Catholic Church to um, completely, you know, when it went to when especially when it became a movie, they tried to sue the movie studio and tell everyone not to read or see the movie. So it's interesting that they're going with the same publisher. If you can't beat him. Yeah, join. <laughs> I mean, it sold you can't 40, beat him. Cash their checks. Yeah, it sold forty million <laughs> copies. So. Did you hear that the NFL won't let a church show the game? You know how most what? churches will wait, have... Wait, uh, okay. <coughs> it's in the news today. I know the, the Super Bowl is on Sunday, so when most people listen to this on Monday, it'll be over, and this won't be that timely. But on, you know, today, there's a AP story that says the, uh, the NFL has nixed a church's plans to use a wall projector to show the Super Bowl game, saying it would violate copyright laws. Now, most churches... Do this, you yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. That's really surprising to me. Well, basically, at first, the church was going to charge admission and Whoa. raise oh, uh. and raise raise funds for missions or something like that. Mm. Uh, and then the NFL objected. So then they, the pastor said, "Well, we won't we won't charge admission." But then the church's flyers and stuff promoting the party said Super Bowl, which is copyright or trademarked. So the NFL said no. Apparently, the law is that you can only show the um, the game. On a screen no bigger than fifty-five inches, 
That's the so law. What if you happen to have a sixty-inch projection TV? Okay, so um, the NFL objected objected to the use of the projector. First of all, uh, they say you know the church is like, hey, we just want to be supportive of our team, and they're saying we can only use a TV that's suitable for like eight or ten people. That's just you know not acceptable. Uh, or it makes little sense. And then uh, the NFL spokesman, Greg uh, Aiello, said that the league's longstanding policy is to ban mass out-of-home viewing of the Super Bowl. An exception is made for sports bars and other businesses that show televised sports as part of their everyday operations. Uh, quote, we have contracts with our TV networks to provide free over-the-air television for people at homes. The network economics are based on television ratings and at-home viewing. Out-of-home viewing is not measured by Nielsen. So basically, if you have, if you're trying to get a group together to watch the Super Bowl, and you have a TV or a projector larger than 55 inches, you are actually breaking the law. Yeah. I don't understand that. I mean, I can understand why they don't want people to do that, but how is that breaking the law? I don't understand. Uh, that that was that's the end of, um, saying the law limits it to well, one TV I, no bigger than 55 inches. I one remember, TV. I, I remember I watched it at church one time, and during the commercials. They would stop the game and do like I don't know, like a little game or sermony type thing, and especially during the <laughs> that's, halftime. That's lame. So, man. The commercials are the best part. Yeah. So, but like, like, hey, preacher, shut up! Turn to watch commercials. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here's a funny Budweiser one. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I thought that was really so, odd. So wait, on one TV. So if you have it on two different rooms. You could also... Oh, there's your loophole, I'm sure. Now, okay, it does say... Now, they're calling this... The problem is that it's out-of-home mm-hmm. viewing. So, if it's in a private residence, it maybe isn't that big of a deal. But maybe if you're in a public place, like here at our office, if I tried to bring in a 61-inch TV, probably that would be breaking the law. Yeah. Wow. What if it is a church that people live at, like some sort of halfway home? Hmm. <laughs> I want to know, like, how did the NFL get wind of this? Like, did they invite the NFL? Because that may have been a, a big logistical error. What's the point of going to all this this trouble of, of telling people this when there's no way to police it anyways? Well, NFL officials spotted a promotion of Fall Creek Baptist Church's Super Bowl bash on the church website last week and overnighted a letter to the pastor demanding oh, the party please. be canceled. Oh, man. Uh, it's a church in Indianapolis, so... Maybe they maybe they were church. googling maybe they were looking Indianapolis church party just to like you know try and police it and they found it online. So wow. here here's what you do scoff laws. You don't put it online. Yeah, you, it has to be all grassroots, yeah. underground, yeah. viral, or writing. The Super code. Bowl parties just got ten times cooler. <laughs> you have to it's like the speakeasies of the twenties. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just picturing like all these people in a sanctuary, like sitting down to watch the game, and there's silhouettes of like a SWAT team like running by outside the window, <laughs> and they swing in like a stained glass window, kicking it down. Yeah. Yeah. Get the projector! <laughs> <laughs> they unplug the TV. Yeah. No. I mean, maybe they have a couple of retired NFL players run in and just start tackling people. <laughs> That'd be yeah, pretty cool. They're coming from the free clinic. So, so see, <laughs> did you notice how I was able to weave in sports, but also had a Christian sure. angle yeah. on it? That's sure. nice. Very That's very relevant. Yeah, Thank very you. well done. Now, uh, speaking of... Uh, I don't bring a lot of slices, but when I do, they're golden. Yeah, uh, Nuggets. Speaking of people being r- arrested for ridiculous reasons. Now, nobody got arrested, so your segue is on a false. Yeah, uh, no, they did. did. On mine. You segued from yeah, speaking of people. Yeah, but they could be. They could be. Yeah. I don't know if they'd be arrested. They'd probably uh, be fined. That's splitting hairs. <laughs> speaking of In people, trouble with the law. Sp- speaking of people potentially speaking of getting a letter of reprimand. <laughs> speaking of scoff laws, you guys may have heard about the deal in Boston where these LED displays with the Moonanites from Aqua Teen Hunger Force 
uh, got plastered up in some public places, like on a bridge and tunnel and but, stuff like but that. But they're they're about twelve inches by twelve right. inches, relatively right. small, and basically they no, look not larger than fifty five inches. No, no, no. So no, no, they no. wouldn't violate any kind they, of NFL. And they copyright. basically, <laughs> yeah, they basically look like a light bright. That's exactly what they look like. Well, uh, they ended up uh, shutting down like a big bridge in Boston uh, for over three hours and they part back, of the subway system. Yeah, back too. traffic up, all this stuff. And all it was was it was this guerrilla marketing campaign for the Aqua Teen Hunger Force movie. These guys had put up these LED displays. And uh, and people saw it and started freaking out and calling yeah, the police. Yeah, the bomb squad came in to dispose of it and everything. But and it so, completely had Boston in like a terror scene. In a terror. Like the whole place was yeah. in a halt. Yeah, which the funny thing about this... So is Adult Swim going to get sued? Well, we don't know yet. But the funny thing is that these things have been up for two or three weeks, okay? <laughs> and not just in Boston, in New York, in Los Angeles, in Chicago, Atlanta, Seattle, Portland, Austin, San Francisco, and Philadelphia. No other city did they cause any kind of stir at all. The other cities just took them down, disposed of them. But evidently in Boston, everyone is just hypersensitive about stuff. And uh, they arrested two guys in their late 20s who had put these up, just these two guys who went to art school, just kind of funny slacker type guys. And uh, the the thing that I love about this story... That's really nice, Adam. Slacker type guys? Huh? Well, like, like Turner, Turner Broadcasting does the, the cartoon, right? And they hired some marketing company who hired these slacker guys? Well, it's I don't think that they hired them. It's a campaign that anyone can take part in. Oh, like street okay. teams. It's like street right. teams. These are these street teams. I'm stealing the idea, basically. Um, yeah, terror scare. So <laughs> that's it's a good. It's, hey, you get, but that's that's no, impact no, culture. Yeah, there's no such thing as bad publicity, right? Yeah, I have to tell you the thing I love about these two guys. The guys are, um, it's Sean Stevens, who's 28, and uh, Peter Berdovsky, who's 27, and. Uh, they had a press conference the other day after they got out on bail. And in the press conference, they said that they would only answer questions that related to 70s haircuts. <laughs> and when uh, when the reporters just kept going, kept going, they would they would reply with, I'm sorry, that's not a hair question. You know, and just refuse to answer it. See, they're not slackers at all. They took initiative. They yeah. participated in a marketing campaign. Well, they're just your typical funny kind of goofy 20-something guys. who guys. watch adults. Who watch yeah. Aqua, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Force. Well, it's know. great. I love, I love seeing statements from the mayor come in or, or the governor. And you just picture him as like this frazzled, old, unhip guy. Yeah. Like, because it's exactly It's like war. every Revenge of the Nerds movie. Yeah. 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 I picture him pounding his fist on his desk like, foil the end! <laughs> Yeah, but his exact quotes were like, "It's a hoax, but it's not funny." And it's like, "Well, well, actually, it is, it is extremely funny." funny. <laughs> Basically, these two guys made you look stupid. Yeah. They made the whole city of Boston look stupid, and now Boston is trying to take it out on them. Well, on Thursday, they had a hearing, and they in the courtroom like were not not disrespectfully, but we're joking around, and we're just like, you know, we didn't do anything wrong. So they they're finding this whole thing totally humorous yeah and there's a lot of people protesting outside about 40 50 people protesting outside and they were talking about 
how or they were telling the media how this makes Boston look like a joke. It does. It yeah. makes Boston look really, really ridiculous. One of the best. No other know. city I reacted I would, this way. I would feel safer if I was in Boston and know that citizens Ooh. were being vigilant. Well, they're so vigilant. I would think and vigilant. <laughs> <laughs> the village idiots are being vigilant. <laughs> There's a great picture online of a SWAT team guy, and he's totally decked out like the bulletproof vest, like the helmet and goggles, and he's reaching his hand to pull out one of these light brights and i don't know if anyone's seen like the moon Knights, but they're sitting there giving the finger it's like a really basic <laughs> little illustration and it's he the swat team guys pulling it out from this crevice of a bridge fully decked out and this little cartoon character is giving him the finger <laughs> i think that that is indicative of this it's symbolic for the whole thing you know you know what i think i think that nobody was you know was noticing these and so Turner Broadcasting hired somebody to call yeah. these in yeah. just brilliant. to get the press. Yeah, that's pretty yeah it's brilliant. definitely got a lot of press. Well, a, a church in Australia has gotten criticized. They're, they put out a sign out front that said, Jesus loves Osama. And under the sign, it said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And the prime minister didn't think that that was very clever at all. You know, he said that he felt like the church was giving a wrong message. That the church was just trying to say, "Hey, Jesus loves everyone," and not support Osama bin Laden. But government officials didn't think the same thing. So, what, what part of that statement isn't true? Right? Yeah. Goodness. Especially gracious. in the context Come of on. love yeah. your enemies love your enemies and, and those who will you harm. Yeah. Yeah. The so. prime minister of Australia should get together with these Boston officials. <laughs> Sounds like they have a really big no fun other. party. Yeah, just hang around and be offended by stuff. Well, I never just, the nerve. They're still just <laughs> grieving from Steve Irwin. <laughs> too soon. Too soon. <laughs> too soon. Yeah. Or he's serious. an international hero. I know. On that note, that'll wrap up slices. Up next, David Batstone. Here with us is David Bastone, who's authored the new book, Not For Sale, and it's about human trafficking. David, you've, you've written about a lot of different topics. Can you kind of tell us what your inspiration was to write about human trafficking? You know, it all started, my awareness of human trafficking. I, I, I looked at it as uh, something that I kind of was vaguely aware of, something that happened in Africa and Southeast Asia, something over there, overseas, and yet another kind of devastating problem that, that, that really was a global problem, but it was, wasn't really something that I was very aware of. And so uh, I was in a uh, restaurant in my area in San Francisco, and I used to love to go to this restaurant, my wife and I, and, and then we found out front page story in the newspaper that they had been busted for a trafficking ring that they were bringing under false pretenses of uh, folks from India, uh, women, young women mostly. And they were making them, uh, forcing them to work in their restaurants. And, uh, you know, it was modern slavery. And it just shocked me that this was something so close in my own backyard. So as I began to uh, look more into it, I discovered that here in the United States, we have anywhere between 100,000 and 200,000 people who are modern slaves. That is, that 
They are brought to this country, uh, forced to work without pay and uh, under violence, um, not allowed to uh, leave. And looked into it around, uh, I, uh, Harper asked me to write a book on this, so I, I went around the globe and, and went to five continents and investigated how the uh, uh, trade of human beings, uh, buying and selling human beings in our own time happens. And uh, it, it really got under my skin. I wonder, I guess, you know, a lot of this is going on sort of underground, and it's definitely, like, I, I'm just curious about what the research for a book like this would look like. Is it, was it dangerous? Is it you come, like, in, in close uh, contact with sort of dangerous people? You know, it is, it is, a lot of the trafficking rings are tied to mafia groups. There also are smaller rings that are kind of independent operations where maybe one or two traffickers bring people into a labor situation like a, a rug loom or a brick kiln. And uh, very commonly around the globe, young people, are, young women and particularly, and, and men, are trafficked to be uh, sex slaves in the commercial sex industry, in brothels or karaoke bars. And so, yes, a large part of the research that I did was uh, undercover, it had to be, uh, I worked with partner groups that, that what I call abolitionist groups that are fighting slavery in places like Southeast Asia, India, Eastern Europe. And they have to be very careful. And so for that reason, when they're investigating these trafficking rings, I found that it was very helpful for me to have their kind of experience and expertise. But probably, you know, as I look back now, I have a year of investigation, what really probably was the most emotional and, and charged uh, environment was when I went undercover in Cambodia to investigate uh, the trade in young girls, maybe 12, 13-year-old, 14-year-old girls, and uh, went undercover as if I were a client wanting to buy some of these girls. And probably, you know, I didn't feel so much uh, that I was going to be uh, busted um, just because they'd, they'd figure out my, my cover but it was just, I was so, it was so hard for me not to want to just pick these girls up and, and you know, there was about 15 of them and run out of the place and just kind of rescue them there and then. And, it, you know, it, it's hard to, uh, in that situation, really look at the bigger picture that, hey, we're there investigating the, this, this, uh, this ring, this trafficking ring, so that we can bring it down for good, uh, the groups I was working with. Uh, also, it's, it's, you know, when you rescue someone, you want to make sure that you have a plan after they get out. So you just don't, you know, say, now you're free, go on with your life. These, you know, they, oftentimes their families have betrayed them. They've been sold by their mother or father. Uh, they don't have any sustainable uh, job or income after they get out. So, you know, it's, it's creating an infrastructure for them as well. So, you know, the answer is it dangerous? Uh, it can be. That's why I, I hope people reading my book just don't go out and you know feel that they're going to be lone rangers. I think there's a very thoughtful, methodical way to investigate and resist and fight the slave trade. Now, you talked about some of the uh, abolitionist groups doing work. What exactly does their work entail? Like, how do they fight to put an end to slave trade? It sounds like pretty dangerous business trying to bust up these trafficking rings. It can be, and, and there's different types of activities that abolitionist groups are doing. There's some groups that will actually, they will help to intervene and rescue people of all ages from a, a slavery situation. And the best ones will do that in a way that will bring in the law enforcement, um, local police and, and judges, the court system with them. If there's not uh, support from the law enforcement end, then, then really you probably aren't doing much because of the fact that they'll start operation again tomorrow. You really want to 
do it in a way that will that will prevent that group from operating again, at least in the short term or in an easy way. So there's some groups that do the intervention. I'll, I'll say that there there are some groups out there that actually they call it redemption. They buy slaves so that they kind of buy their freedom. And I think there's a really bad idea because what it does, it, it just creates an economic market for buying in human. You're one more buyer so that uh, there's unfortunately a glut of, of supply out there that tr- uh, slave traders can go out and buy more people and then bring them in or abduct them and bring them in and you've created a market. So it's, it's really going the legal route. And, you know, International Justice Mission really is one of the best, I think, at doing this intervention work. There's others who, who create either on both ends of, of, of slavery, either preventative for at-risk families or youth, creating an environment uh, for an economic and social cultural awareness and prevention strategy, or after they've been freed, they create jobs. A good example is Hagar, a project working in Cambodia, who has created jobs for, you know, for freed emancipated slaves, where they have a soy milk company and factory, they have a catering company, they have a design, clothes and apparel design and handbags, and they really, these are self-help businesses that are run by emancipated slaves and, and hire all emancipated slaves. And so they're creating, they're abolitionists of another sort. They're, they're trying to create a future for people who would be vulnerable or survivors. So others are doing education work where they're, they're trying to build uh, legal systems in countries where there's no functioning legal system, or they're trying to create an environment in the media where people could be warned about slave traders. So that there's lots of different kinds of activities, and you know, out of this book, what I really wanted to do was to um, not just uh, have someone read about it and say, well, that's interesting, but create a whole campaign around it to give people in the United States and around the world, no matter what their station in life was, that they too could become an abolitionist. There's lots of things we can do to fight slavery in our lifetime. And I know that part of that is the notforsale.org, um, and you, I, I think there's also a documentary film that, that is, is going to accompany it in the future. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of how people that are passionate about this can get involved? Yeah, there, the, there's, a, there's a documentary being made based on the, the book, uh, Not For Sale. It's called Not For Sale, the documentary, and that will be done in March. Hollywood filmmaker Robert Marcarelli. He traveled with me on many of my investigations and then went uh, independently as well. And he's got terrific footage of, of abolitionists in the field, really. We want to tell the story of, of modern slavery, but we really want to tell the story is of the abolitionists. And then the campaign launches in early February, February 5th. So I'd love it if folks who read the book would go to the notforsalecampaign.org. And at that, you'll, there's opportunities to do all kinds of things. An example will be, students at the University of San Francisco, they are going to set up an investigative unit at the university to uncover where slavery can be found in San Francisco. They're going to interview police, uh, they're going to interview social workers, groups that go out and work in hospices and homes or people who are even utilities workers, and find out where in San Francisco do you find the slave trade. And at the end of each year, they're going to get a report that will de- they will deliver to the media, to the mayor's office, and to the police, saying that, you know, here in San Francisco, one of the major ports for international selling and buying of, of kids and women, this is where we can find it here in San Francisco, and hopefully kind of hold them accountable to the fact that this illegal activity is happening, and if a bunch of students can expose it, you know, why can't we do something about it? The whole movement's going to be not a 
top-down but a bottoms-up movement where mm-hmm. we're going to be highlighting and featuring the best, uh, most creative and effective abolitionist activities and strategies that the constituency is coming up with. And I think it's going to be pretty exciting. Around that, too, we're going to have lots of music. Uh, our executive producer for our music campaign is T-Bone Burnett, who, oh, wow. uh, of course, was the producer for Walk the Line, and, Oh Brother, Where for Art Thou, Counting Crows, and He's just a terrific producer, and he's, he's lending his support. So there's lots of ways that people can get involved in the campaign. And, and that, again, is the notforsalecampaign.org? Exactly, notforsalecampaign.org. It's going to be a dynamic movement that will really have something for everybody. Well, it's such a powerful cause, and we're really excited about the book and campaign. So just to remind the listeners, it's the notforsalecampaign.org. And David, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to us. Hey, it's really my pleasure, and I'm really thrilled that Relevant Magazine has gotten on board with us and is really supportive, and I really am thrilled that, that you're taking an interest. So thank you. Listening to the Kaiser Chiefs, the song is Ruby. You know, I have a guitar signed by the Kaiser Chiefs. Do you really? I do. Where indeed. did you come across such a thing? Uh, the Live Eight uh, benefit concert. Yeah, there was a an auction a year ago for a guitar that that uh, supported Bloodwater Mission, and they had all these artists sign it from the Kaiser Chiefs to Sarah McLaughlin to the Fugees to. Hmm. I mean, there was a. I mean, a whole Larry Magic, a huge list. Uh, Marley Ziggy Ziggy Marley Yeah So It's anyway. a nice guitar It's a tailor Is it I don't know yeah. Anyway So I have this signed guitar huh. It's really cool And and, uh, and all the proceeds wait, Went wait, to Bloodwater Mission Is that the one Hanging up on your wall At the house Yeah the, Okay Yeah yeah huh. So the Kaiser Chiefs Are on it Interesting And uh, somebody wrote One Love And I'm gonna guess That's the Marley guy I'm guessing And here In the, all the mix Of all these I mean there's probably 10-15 artists Who signed it Chris Tucker signed it what? Oh. <laughs> do you try to do you try to wipe that one off? <laughs> oh man! And it's so difficult to identify some of the signatures. You know, I'm like yeah. I've tried. I have the list, and I'm like yeah. trying to go figure out who who's who. The one that's the biggest and easiest to read is Chris, Chris Tucker. Tucker. Mm-hmm. If you get some really, if you get some really light grade sandpaper, that thing will come right off. <laughs> I had a couple of things to face by Chris Tucker myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> or should I say devalu- completely devalued? Is oh, he in, is he in your Tim Allen club? <laughs> that's a fine piece of rock and roll memorabilia. Wait, is that Chris Tucker? On <laughs> Did he sneak into that autograph session again? <laughs> Forget it. We're done here. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a guitar used by Jars of Clay at the concert, and, and one of the guys went around to all the other artists who were performing and had them sign it for Bloodwater. Oh, so, that's cool. Yeah. Genius. And, um, and actually, Dan emailed me uh, to say, hey, we have this auction going on. Can you, can you, you know, put some in slices or let people know? And I was so torn because I wanted to win it. And I figured mm-hmm. if I let a lot of people know about <laughs> it, I'd have to bid against more yeah. people. Uh-huh. But um, I, I, still, I still won it, fair and square. So You that? did put the thing up in slices? Yeah, we did. Okay. And 850. No, and mentioning the podcast. We, we, you know, we wanted to raise money for Bloodwater. So. Yeah. Um, so there you go. That was fun. Okay, so Kaiser Chiefs. I have a personal connection to them. Um, not really. I like <laughs> Kaiser Rolls. That's mm. probably a stronger connection than mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Who doesn't? They're delicious. <laughs> they are. Am I right? Prior to David right. Batstone, you heard uh, Winter Sleep with the song Jaws of Life. 
a very morbid title. Yeah. It's a cool song, though. It is. It is indeed. And of all the stop motion animation videos lately, I think that's my favorite. Because they have like this transformer. What do you mean lately? For, that's all there is anymore. Yeah. yeah. Like a- every indie band ever. All they do is stop motion. Stop motion or, or straight animation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But they're awesome. I'm not going to argue with that. Well, yeah. this one, they have this woodland creature battle. And they fight these like weird transformer things. It's pretty cool. <laughs> transformer things? Yeah. Wow. Where do I sign? Yeah. Relevant.tv, my yeah. friend. Why, why do you need to sign something? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you sign right there must be of, some kind of legally binding contract. Just yeah, sign <laughs> on top of Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker. Yeah, yeah. with some white out. <laughs> 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 You're going to get letters about this. Oh, Jesse. I'm sure. Jesus wouldn't have taken his signature off. <laughs> Jesus loves Chris Tucker. Chris Tucker loves Jesus. your enemies. Yeah, he what? is a Christian, right? Mm-hmm. Which one of y'all just kicked me? <laughs> <laughs> that was the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I'm scared. All right. So the, the question last week was for you to send in your favorite YouTube video links to us, and uh, we would sift through them and play our favorites. Uh, hopefully they can translate the audio. We haven't actually done any work this week. Yeah, all we've done is sit around people, and watch YouTube videos. Yeah. You, you, you spend way too much time on YouTube. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember this much feedback since Bono Gate. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this this is insane. How many emails we got you about have, YouTube? You have essentially destroyed productivity in this office. <laughs> However, if you were to take out of the submissions. The YouTube videos of this is my cute little niece, right? Yeah. you know, singing a song, or this is some sort of family home video. Then right. we're down to like 12. yeah, like I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure that is indeed your favorite YouTube video. Like we can't argue with that. Yeah, but we don't care. <laughs> and the audio, it definitely does not translate. Yeah. So. Andre Mauerman sent in a few. Uh, one's called Indian Midget B-Boy. This, this automatically is going to be good. Uh, it's actually called Little Superstar if you're looking for it. But, oh, oh, wow. Man. It's disturbing on so many Oh, mercy. <laughs> He's so good at dancing. It is a small Indian child doing the best B-Boy breakdancing I've ever seen in my life. Wait, is it a child or is it a dwarf? Well, he's normally proportioned. Listen to the tape stopping. <laughs> Is it weird to feel like very disturbed? I hope I, people are following along online. I I really think that that is a, a little person. But there's yeah. children all around him. One, two, three. It's well, a family. Mom, dad. Uh oh, busted. <laughs> he's laying on the boombox. It's like a TV show. This is the Indian version of Charles in Charge. <laughs> I think it's an internet anomaly. Like, no one knows where it came from. <laughs> it just showed up one day. But everyone's happy it showed up. It's an anonymous post. <laughs> Matt Kapadge. Matt Kapadge. 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 Matt Kapadge uh, sent in a decoupage? few. Decoupage? Matt likes to decoupage. Okay. Um, he sent in um, Computer Man. Um, he says he figures it might have some sort of relevance, haha, with all the Apple hype as of late. It's old school, which is totally awesome. So apparently his descriptive phrases are also old school. <laughs> Here it is. I'm a Macintosh man with a virus scan. Moving your files all across the land. Some Photoshop filters in After Dark. Get your Microsoft Office, express your quark. Millions of colors with a VRAM chip. How about a system crash that'll make you flip? I'm a computer man. 
I'm pretty sure that this is actually how they introduced the iPhone at the latest <laughs> Mac at World yeah. Expo. That guy does kind of look like a bearded Steve Jobs. Here's what's even scarier. This was made in 1998. Music was not this bad in 1998. Wow. It, visually, it looks like 1983. <laughs> and he's dressed like the good humor man? Oh, yeah. Good. I didn't even get that. He is dressed like the yeah, good humor man. computer. But he's the good computer man. Uh, on the message boards, Nick Fruling uh, posted uh, something about the flea market. He said, uh, I, now I know why Cameron and Adam went to the flea market. And he posted this YouTube clip. And uh, it's called Flea Market Montgomery. And I am going to play it for you because it is, it is the most awesome TV commercial ever. Yeah. We should probably put this up on the TV as well. Oh yeah, you can find them at the market. We talking about flea market, Montgomery. It's just like, it's just like a mini mall. Oh yeah, come That is awesome. Flea market. But here's the thing. It's a, it's a furniture store. It is not a flea market. You heard me. Come shop. Living rooms, bedrooms, dinettes. We got it. You need it. You'll find it. It's just like, it's just like it's, a mini keeps going to it. It's strangely reminiscent of uh, video power talk to me for some reason. Whoa! Look at his eyes! Yeah. Whoa. Did this actually air like on a commercial? Yeah, Montgomery. So he's explaining that the flea market is just like a a mini mall. Yet when he starts itemizing what you can find, it's a furniture store. And it's actually nothing like a mini mall. It's nothing like a mini mall or a flea market. I feel bad that 20,000 people right now are being subjected to hearing this. Here's my question. Is... If you had to complete, compare the uh, flea market Montgomery to one thing, what would you say it's just like? Because I didn't, I didn't really get it from that. Jared Hollier said, I had to pick two. I'm sorry. This one's from an amazing guitar player named Andy McKee. T-shirt size this large. better be amazing. He does say amazing. It's Andy McKee drifting. Acoustic guitar. It's, it's just Andy sitting there with a guitar. Everything you hear is Andy. With like one hand. Wow. Bad Andy. You got me, Andy. You had me at... <laughs> <laughs> when he started banging on the guitar. Peter Foley sent in... Oh wait, Peter Foley, isn't he the lead singer of the Newsboys? <laughs> he sent in, best people's court ending ever. People's court, best ending ever. So you were the storage guy for him? Uh, huh? Yeah, it was fun. Fun? Uh, yeah, I mean, I just feel emancipated right now. It's just it's been weighing so, heavy on me. So what do you mean? I haven't slept in like eight days, so... Really? It's hard. It's hard being me. Really? Yeah. What's the hardest part about being you? Mustache. <laughs> Harvey. <laughs> that was pretty sweet. He uh, he had an awesome mustache. Yeah. By he the way. he f- 
I, he was emancipated, and his mustache <laughs> did seem like it was well, a, a burden he had to bear. Did he just go on the people's bear. court as a dare? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Candy Spice. Um, <laughs> what? Her la- that's her email address. Her, oh. her name's Candy, but she didn't give us her real email, her real name. She says, okay, kids, first of all, I've been a committed podcast listener since its inception. Oh, so wow. apparently oh, she's wow. behind bars or <laughs> somehow incarcerated. Uh, I've never... She's not worshiping bail. I've never laughed out loud as much as I did in the last 20 minutes of this past week's podcast. Loved it. So as my feedback for this week, I submit the following... Pastor gas. Oh man, I'm wondering. This I, is probably I think Robert I know Tilton. where we're headed. This is probably <laughs> Robert. I Tilton. think it's a good place. <sighs> it is. It's Robert. Yes, Tilton. this is an internet classic. Yeah, this has honestly been around. It's clips of Robert Televangelist Robert Tilton's what television day, show, and they superimpose day, fart noises day, on it. And it really only works be. when you're watching it because watch of the facial expressions <laughs> that he's making. God from whom things come from. <laughs> oh, that was good. Listen to this right here. Now, what you're doing, you're helping God in his work. Hello. (laughs) For this new move in his life. You decree. And the light of God. and, 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 And here it is. Keep me in the way that I should go. Hallelujah. See that word expand, move forward, <laughs> they all think there's a person. Your life is in disarray. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Okay, wow. Thank you, Lord. There's a, there's a move right now. <laughs> I'm hearing something really powerful for someone. Come to you. Come to you. Come to you. <laughs> okay, back in I mean there there are seriously 10 15 versions of that. Back oh back in gosh. the late 80s when he was on the air, um, it started uh, with a disgruntled employee on his TV show. And was, and he made a videotape that started to get passed around and Dubbed and dubbed and dubbed no and way. dubbed. My like, we have one from the late eighties that was given to my dad on VHS. On VHS from the late eighties. Yeah, that uh, is auction did, material. Did he ever? Did he ever respond? Like, was he good humored about it, or was he? No, just like, the guy f- was fired well, immediately. It's the gay blind mountain climber. This is funny. It, it's a news person making a pretty bad blooper. About a guy. Who oh, that's those. right. After the break, we're going to interview Eric Weihenmayer, who climbed the highest mountain in the world, Mount Everest. But he's gay. I mean, he's gay. Excuse me. He's blind. <laughs> 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 oh no! <laughs> Wait, they oh, clip. They no. actually clip to the the blind guy. And he's like, oh, what? Oh no! Uh, but, no. but, but he's gay. He's gay. But is it- How do you get that mixed up? <laughs> oh my word! But he's gay. I, I'm so sorry. we should he, be surprised yeah. that a gay person could climb a mountain, <laughs> Mount Everest. Like that. Yeah. Oh, this is crazy. Okay. John Scott from Virginia Beach sent in this clip. This it's so called good. Leprechaun in Mobile, Alabama. This is well, just so in good. time for St. Patrick's Day. Crowds are coming by the dozens to get an up-close view at what some say is a piece of Irish folk- folklore. Some people in the Crichton area of Mobile say <laughs> a leprechaun has taken up residence in their neighborhood. NBC 15's <laughs> Brian Johnson has more. 
Curiosity <laughs> like leads to the crowds so in Mobile's Crichton community. Many of you bring binoculars, camcorders, even camera phones to take pictures. To me, it looked like a leprechaun to me. All I gotta do is look up in the tree. Who else in the leprechaun? Say, yeah! <laughs> Eyewitnesses say the leprechaun only comes out at night. If you shine a light in its direction, it suddenly disappears. This amateur sketch resembles what many of you say the leprechaun <laughs> That's amazing. Have come up with their own theories and explanations for the image. My theory is it's casting a shadow so from the other limb. Could be a crackhead that got hold to the wrong stuff. And it told him to get up in a tree and play a leprechaun. Oh, it gets even better. It gets even better. Chris Yokel <laughs> sent in uh, a clip of Will Ferrell singing Phantom of the Opera on David Letterman. I don't have it totally down, but yeah, I would love to sing one of the songs for oh, you. Oh, yeah, we'd love to hear it. Uh, what are we going to hear tonight? I don't know the name of it. Okay, good luck. Will Ferrell, ladies and gentlemen. Slowly, gently, night unfurls its splendor. Grasp it, sense it, Jalibadago now. Turn your face away from the garish light of day. Turn this mask is killing me. Hold on, feeling light And listen to the music of the night I am the Phantom My real name is Jerry I'm really lonely I'd love to have a girlfriend. <laughs> Something happened to my face. That's why I wear a scary mask. <laughs> and I think I'd take it off, but I haven't read the rest of the script, so I don't know. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Music of the And that's how we're going to end <laughs> Letterman brought him roses <laughs> oh, oh, man. Letterman still got it He certainly does <laughs> That's hilarious Don't you forget it You know, so that was a few of them uh, Most of the ones you guys sent in were, were good But they were very visual mm-hmm. So uh, for all of those there's something you can do to experience them. You can go over to the podcast feedback page at relevantmagazine.com where Jesse and a sea of interns have posted um, <laughs> all of the other ones who we did, that we did not call They're out. They're actually still hard at work back there. <laughs> yeah. a, a, In the uh, boiler room. A yeah. vault of monkeys. Yeah. Just They're typing away, putting data on punch cards <laughs> um, to be fed into a, a large machine. So that you can go there, click on all the clips, laugh. We'll, we'll put everybody's emails that send stuff in, and uh, you can judge for yourself your favorites. So it, it's tough to play video things on a podcast. <laughs> so Lesson learned. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should only ask questions that are audio replies. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> so, um, so that's that. That's your feedback for last week. So, with this week's editorial question of the week, editorial question of the week, hey. we want you to ask us questions. Any parameters? No parameters. So, if something's been on their mind, whether yes. it be personal, mm-hmm. philosophical, political. Anything that you've ever wanted to ask the relevant editorial team, mm-hmm. we will field any and all questions next week. My specialty is relational advice, so there. Oh, that's good yeah. to know. Mine I, is TV VCR repair. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's computer programming and child daycare. Okay. Kara? I've got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> so don't direct any of these towards Kara. Um, uh, for Kara's sake, please don't ask any technology questions <laughs> and or sporting questions. No sports I'm, questions. I'm powerless without Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> so write us at editorial at relevantmagazine.com or feedback at relevantmagazine.com and uh, ask, us, ask us anything that's been on your mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In relevant update news, uh, the March issue just went to the printer. So that is in motion and should be arriving in your mailboxes later in the month. Welcome to February, by the way, yeah. everybody. Yeah. We, uh, we've also continued to make little enhancements to the website. If you go over there now, you can actually click on a uh, look inside button and you can flip through the print magazine. It's not everything, but it's you know some of the highlights of it's the print trippy. magazine. It's trippy. Yeah, you can literally... Mouse and the pages flip yeah. and stuff. It'll blow your mind. <laughs> we're we're continuing to work on a lot of new uh, web features that should be uh, starting to launch here shortly. So using the latest computer technology, <laughs> like those punch cards. Yeah, the interns are working on uh, the podcast continues to grow. Uh, I checked the numbers the other day, and we have just under twenty thousand weekly listeners, which is mind blowing considering the content the last few weeks. Yeah. <laughs> hey, give the people what they want, you know. <laughs> Lowbrow. Hey, yeah. lowest common yeah. denominator. <laughs> Fart noises, hey, whatever. <laughs> ingredients for success. Yeah. Uh we're 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 moving back up the charts. I think last look we were we were back in the top ten. And uh you know, one of the things that you guys can help us do to continue to spread word about the podcast and gain momentum is actually to go to iTunes and post a review of the podcast. That helps us get kind of better placement on the featured section. And we're actually going to have um, these LED podcast displays that we marketing, make that have like a bunch of wires and ticking mechanisms uh, mm-hmm. attached to them. And you can go put them on just any infrastructure in your city, bridge supports or mm-hmm. you know, transit, federal mm-hmm. buildings, stuff like that. <laughs> It's uh, well thought out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we've, got, we've got our bases covered. Uh, for those of you who wrote in uh, for free tickets to the Relevant Loves You Night at the Orlando Magic Portland Trailblazers game, all of those tickets have now been allocated. So uh, I realized that within hours of the podcast going out, we had gotten yeah. rid of all the tickets. So yeah. We gave them to literally every person we love. So, yeah. The rest of you, I'm sorry. Very sorry. Mm. Yeah. I like you as a friend. Yeah, I love spending time with you. So, uh, so sorry to anybody who missed out on that, and we look forward to meeting all of you who are coming. So that'll be fun. Well, on that note, we will wrap up this week's edition of the podcast. Again, uh, many thanks to David Batstone. His book is called Not for Sale, and you can check it out at any bookstore or Amazon.com. So, so with that, we bid you adieu. I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Kara Davis. I'm Jesse Gary. And I'm Smith. We'll see you next week.
But he's gay.